Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We are wrapping up our series this week on called Built Different. Built different, and uh, I've been excited about this. It's been a been a good series, and we're talking about it, it's a hashtag that got started a few years ago. Mostly kind of talking about people who uh, you know who play sports or things like that. And, you know, they're just superb athletes, and they would put hashtag built different because they were able to do things that other people can't do. And you know, the honest truth is, if they had had hashtags when I was a teenager, you know, they would they said that about me. They'd have been like, yeah, Bobby's hashtag built different. That's right. They would have said that. Back then, it was called the pound sign on a phone in your house, chained to a wall. That was what a hashtag was. No such thing as hashtag when I was a kid. Is that too personal for y'all? Are y'all, like, offended by that? <laughs> y'all know that ain't, you know, that's, you can laugh about that. But anyway, <laughs> what's a hashtag? That's right. It's a pound sign on the phone. That's what a hashtag is. So here's the thing. We want to be built different as a church. And that's why we talked about this related to our birthday, because we don't want to just exist to exist. There's nothing more frustrating than not being used for the purpose that you were created for. Imagine having a swimming pool at your house. Let's say you've got an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and you only use it as a bird feeder. I mean, that doesn't make much sense, does it? But, you know, there are people who literally sort of do that. They, they do it to breed mosquitoes because they don't use their pool. And the mosquitoes just breed in their pool and it gets swampy and dirty and nasty. But there's people that do that. But that's crazy to do that. Imagine, you know, there's a lot of other things you can imagine. Imagine having a lighthouse that you just sort of use for a nightlight. You know, you got a lighthouse, but you just leave your blinds open a little bit so the light from the lighthouse comes through the window at night. And it keeps you from, you know, tripping over, you know, a sofa. That's all you use it for. You don't use it for its purpose, which is to save ships out at sea. Imagine, you know, uh, using a baseball bat as a hammer. You know, that's what you do. It's going to possibly work, but it's not going to be super effective. And you're not going to get to have the fun that you would normally have with a baseball bat. Am I right? Imagine doing that. It doesn't make sense. Here's one I think we can all relate to. Imagine using scissors instead of a weed eater. That might be a good punishment for children. That, you know, I don't know. Get down, you know, get down, clip the grass with scissors. That doesn't, you know, scissors have a purpose. A weed eater has a purpose. And so you want to make sure you use it for the right thing. I want to show you all something really quick. Got something. Don't take off. I'll be right back. All right. You guys know what this is? Y'all don't know? Oh, golf club. There you go. All right. Golf club. It's an old, cheaper golf club. But anyway, it's a five iron. And uh, it's funny. It says that it's oversized, but it's like tiny. And now, like, they have ones that are like the size of my head for the head. And that's big. I got a big skull. But anyway, so you got a golf club. You normally would want to use a golf club to do what? Play golf. But do you know what this special golf club is used for? 
This special golf club is used to hold up. I have a camper shell on the back of my truck. And it is used to hold up the gate, the back window of the, of the camper shell. I put this in the bed of the truck and I put this on the glass and it keeps the glass from falling on my head. Because the hydraulic, the little hydraulic lifts I've given out, it's an old truck. It's almost as old as me and that's ancient. And so all of a sudden, I, and I found that out the hard way a couple years ago when they started failing. You know, I was in there in the back and had the little gate up and I was working all of a sudden, Bam! I mean, the thing comes and smacks me on the head. And I'm turning around. Who am I going to fight? You know, like, and then I realize, you know, I'm thankful nobody was filming me. But, and then it's happened multiple times before because sometimes it'll work. It's tricky. It's out to get me. It's like GPS. For those of y'all who heard me tell my GPS story. You know, sometimes it'll work. And I'll be like, oh, sweet. You know, Jesus healed it or something like that. And I'll go. And then all of a sudden I'm working. Bam! Thing will smack me in the back of the head. So I have my golf club and I use it to hold up the back of my camper shell. Now, Okay, it works, right? It works. But is this really what a golf club is intended for? You know, in the right hands, this can be a lot of fun. In the, my hands, playing golf, it can be used as a projectile because I'll get mad and I'll throw it. You know, that's, but it can be a lot of fun to use this golf club for the right things. It's not meant to be a prop for a camper shell. But nonetheless, that's what we're using it for. And so I want you to think about this with me for just a second. Imagine the frustration of having something that can be very useful, very good, but never using it for the right purpose. Let me give you one more example. Imagine that you are a world-class chef and you work at a restaurant where you only microwave Hot Pockets. (laughs) Frustrating, right? Now, I think most of you have probably jumped ahead of me and you've probably already gone there in your mind. You realize there are some things in your life that you realize that you are not living up to the potential that you were made for. And maybe you've got a job that frustrates you and maybe you've got relationships that frustrate you. And, you know, you've got skills that you wish you could use, but you wish, you wish, you wish that you could really be used for what you were made for. The truth is, a lot of us Christians are doing just that. We're not being used the way we were made. We were made for a purpose. And you know what that leaves us? It leaves us frustrated. It leaves us confused. It leaves us even angry. Because there's nothing like being used for a purpose that you were not made for and missing out on the opportunity to be used what you were made for. It's like you're working in a job that you're massively overqualified for. You'll do some good. Don't get me wrong. You'll do some good. This does the job. This does the job of holding up my camper shell door. But it's not what it was made for. And you and I can get caught up in living our lives that way. Christians aren't made to sit. Christians are made to serve. I'll say it again. Christians are not made to sit, they're made to serve. Right now I'm asking you to sit and listen, but I want you to get up and serve. (laughs) The truth that you and I need to wrap our brains around is that if we've been following Jesus for a while and we still feel really unfulfilled, I'll tell you a good place to start to question why that is, is look and say, am I serving Jesus and his church? Am I serving people who are far from God? And I guarantee that's a good first place to start because if you have been a Christian for a while, I'm not talking about people who are brand new. You got a second to kind of get your legs under you a little bit. But really quickly, you and I as Christians, we need to start serving somebody in Jesus' name if we want to be fulfilled. You see, 
on its face, that doesn't make much sense because on its face, we hear, okay, you, you'll feel better about yourself. And you'll be more fulfilled if you get up and serve and take your time and your energy and all that sort of stuff and give it away to somebody else. It doesn't make sense, but here's what I'm saying. If you are a Christian and you don't serve, guess what? You're missing out on being more like Jesus. And I'm telling you, folks, we can live our lives however we want. We can try to accomplish however what we want to accomplish, do things the way we want to do it. But unless we start to become more like Jesus, we will be miserable. We'll be absolutely miserable. We will wonder why we can't find any joy. We'll wonder why we can't find any happiness. We've got to learn to serve. You'll never be truly fulfilled if you don't serve. Jesus is the greatest servant ever. Am I right? I mean, he's the example. He's the example. He's the greatest servant ever. And so if he's our example, I want you to think about serving this way. Can you imagine with me for just a second? What if Jesus' effort to save you mirrored your effort to serve him? That takes a lot of imagination. But imagine, yeah, that's right. Imagine if Jesus' effort, go back in time, Jesus' effort to save you was a mere reflection of your effort to serve him. Let me just ask you this. Would you be nice and toasty for eternity? (laughs) Y'all ever heard of hell? (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Would you be in heaven or would you be in hell come judgment day? If that's the way it was. Now, praise God, it's not that way, right? It's not that way. That's, thank goodness, thank God that we are not saved based on how much effort we give. But the question is, would, what would it look like on Jesus' part if he just mirrored the effort that we give for him after we're Christians? Would Jesus have even gotten out of bed that morning 2,000 years ago to go to Golgotha? Would he said, man, I had a really long week. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep in. I know I'm meddling now. But that's something I need to hear and you need to hear. It's something I need to hear and you need to hear. Would Jesus have just said, I'm tired. You just don't understand what I've been through this week. I can't go to the cross. Would he have kneeled down or knelt down and washed the disciples' feet and even his betrayer and his denier to show us the way? Or would he have said, you know, that just really just makes me uncomfortable. I don't think that's my strong suit. What would he have said if he reflected the way that we feel and the way that we act and the way that we serve? I'm so thankful that it's not like that. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't care about what our effort may or may not be because he knew we couldn't earn it anyway. And so he died for us while we were at our worst. He died for us while we were at the bottom, at rock bottom. But he saved us to serve. He saved us to serve. He didn't save us to just be spoiled brats, to just sit back and say, oh, no, somebody else can do it. He saved us to serve. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Listen to this. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Talk about being a golf club used for a camper shell door prop. 
God prepared good works for you and me in advance for us to do. And when we don't try to seek after what those good works are, we are missing our sweet spot. We are missing our level of fulfillment and effectiveness. It's time for us to be used for what we were created for. It's time for us to put ourselves in a place where God can really, truly use us. God saves us by his grace. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work harder to do it. But when he saves us, he made us to do good works to point people to him. What happens is this. God intends for us to move from a mindset of got to to get to. And if you and I can get our minds to change from got to to get to, I'm telling you, the light's going to come on. And feelings of frustration about your Christian life will start to bleed away. I'm not saying they'll never come back. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. You understand what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is if you can change your mindset from I've got to go to church to I get to go to church, that's a whole, ball, whole different ball game, right? If you can change your mindset from I've got to get up early to uh, go help my friend to I get to do this, it's a whole different mindset. If you change your mindset, I've got to sign up to serve at church with those little bratty kids to I get to spend time with these kids and train them for the future and for eternity. That's a whole, it's a game changer. It's a whole new mindset. And you and I have got to learn that when God saved us, he gave us that power to do that, to move from got to, to get to. And when we get to the place of get to, it changes our whole worldview and the way that we look at things. Serving Jesus in people isn't something we've got to do to be saved. It's something we get to do because we're saved. You see, you don't have to worry about your status anymore if you're a Christian. You don't have to worry about rejection from other people. You don't have to worry about your pride because when you become a Christian, you have been taken care of by the one who made you and named you and changed you and saved you. And so it doesn't matter what other people think about you. You can serve in humility because you know that no matter how much people try to push you down and take advantage of you and mistreat you and misuse you, that he will lift you up in the due time. He is good and he is God and he will see you through. You see, we get to make an impact in eternity, in eternity through serving other people. But it's easy to stay over here in the got to mindset, isn't it? It, It's a whole lot easier to stay in the got to mindset. I believe it happens a lot of times because we have a wrong idea or a wrong mindset about serving. Here's a few ideas that we'll have that are really wrong about serving. People will say, it's not my job. That is in every area of our society, not just the church, but it's in every area. It's not my job. People will say, well, somebody else will do it. Maybe that's somebody's you. People will say, that's beneath me. That's beneath me. Some people will say, the the church staff is paid to serve, so I don't have to. But let me ask you this question. Do we get to go to heaven for you? (laughs) That might be offensive. I'm sorry, but suck it up. (laughs) We're called to serve. Every single one of us, we're called to serve. People will say, I don't know what opportunities are available. You ain't listening. You're not listening. We will tell you. If you don't know, we will tell you. We'll help you. People will say, I'm too busy with work. 
Everybody is. People say, I'm too busy with family commitments. Everybody is. I'm too busy with family problems. A lot of people are. People will say, everything seems under control. I don't think I'm even really needed. We need you in movement. Because we don't exist to just survive. We want to thrive as a church to help shine the light of Jesus in this community. We don't want to just keep the doors open for services. We want to go out and impact people with the gospel. If that's what you want to be a part of, we need you. We need you more than ever. We need you to serve in small ways and in big ways. And the beautiful thing that I've come to realize, and God's had to hammer into my head because I can be so stubborn sometimes. Don't ask Sherry. But I have come to realize that the things that you and I view as the small things that are unimportant are sometimes the most impactful when it comes to eternity. You may have heard me say this time and time again, but I don't know how many people over the course of our life. Now, 90% of the people that come through the doors of our church, uh, you know, I'll say eventually, I'll be like, hey, how'd you find out about us? 90% would probably say Google, you know. <laughs> but you know where a large number of people find out about our church? Church signs that are on the side of the highway. And when you're doing those, and take it from me, I have done it probably 98% of the time they've been put up in the life of our church. I've had some awesome volunteers that have helped from time to time. But you feel like it is a pointless thing. I ain't going to lie. I, I'm just being honest. If I, I, as I tell you before, if I'm nothing else, I'm real. And so sometimes I'm out there, I'm putting out those signs on my Saturday afternoon or whatever, and I'm like, I'm stomping it in the ground. Is that too much for y'all? Too much real? Let me pull the curtain down. Bunch of fakes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm stomping down this sign and I'm mad. I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. And a lot of times that next Sunday, I'll be there and I'll meet somebody new and I'll say, how, how'd you find out about us? And it'd be like, oh, I saw the road signs. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for making me feel this tiny. And I like, I was stomping myself under my own foot, you know? My point is this, I've learned the hard way that sometimes when we think, oh, this is beneath me, this is too small, it's the very thing that can make an impact in eternity. And even though it might be, let's say, let's say 5% of the people find out about our church through road signs, are those five people that you don't want to see in heaven? Those 5% of people you don't want to see in heaven? No, we want everybody to come to know Jesus. And so we do the little things, the big things. We do everything in between because we want people to see Jesus. You know, a lot of statistics say that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And, you know, each week at Movement, we have anywhere from, I'd say, 20% to 30% of the people serving. You know, and we try to rotate people, so it's different people a lot of times, different weeks. But there are people who serve here, and they're wearing four hats. And some people are walking around with no hat. And we don't want to be greedy. We want everybody to have a hat. Everybody needs a job to serve, and everybody needs to, to help people get introduced to Jesus. We need every single one of you. And I want to spend a couple moments in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul explains a little more in depth about what it means to serve. And I, I know I've been hammering on you a little bit, but I want to move forward for the future. And I want to see this church thrive and prosper in ways that we can never imagine. So Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, look, there's a purpose for every single one of you. And this is what he says. He says this first idea. You were made for ministry. You were made for ministry. That is, guess who? You, me, all of us, those watching on Facebook. 
You were made for ministry. You have a purpose. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, when God designed the church, he, he had the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the, 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 the elders, the shepherds, you know, the teachers, all these different things. He ha- gave us these things so that you and I could be built up to be what we're called to be. That's why he did it. He gave those positions, those roles, so that you and I could get strengthened and go and serve in Jesus' name. And I've said it one time, I probably said it 10 already this morning, and maybe you're getting tired of hearing about it, but listen again. If you aren't serving in ministry, you're missing out on what you were made to do. You're missing out on what you were made to do. There's nothing more frustrating than missing out on your purpose. Mark Twain famously said, The two most important days in in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And it's so true when it comes to the church. When you find out why you were made, born again, why you were born again, it changes everything inside of you and it changes your whole perspective from got to to get to. And so I ask you really simply, are you doing what you were created for? In the same passage, we get this next idea. Ministry is to build up the body of Christ. Ministry is to build up the body of Christ. Look at verse 12. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You can't get any more clear than that, can you? I mean, it says it exactly right there, that what ministry is for, and all of us are made for ministry. He's writing this letter to the entire church, first at Ephesus, but also then to us. It wasn't for a special select few, it was for every single person. He says, this is what you were made for. Ministry builds up the body of Christ. And so I ask you this. What gift do you have to build up the body? Everybody, if you have the Holy Spirit, has at least one gift, and most of you have a lot more than one. You have an ability that God has given you. It says in Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 3, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Paul is being real clear. Everybody's got a purpose in the body. Did y'all hear that? Everybody. Look at verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has chosen, given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There are different ways that you can use those gifts to serve in the church. But the challenge that Paul says, he says, don't think too highly of yourself. Everybody should serve. You've got a gift. Just find it and use it. And I I know this is real. I know there are people sitting in here, people watching online, that are like, I don't know what my gift is. And that's okay. 
But we want to try to help you as best as we can to try to help you find that gift. There's people have developed all sorts of spiritual gift tests or inventories or analysis, and that's a good little tool to kind of get you started. You might take the test and you might say, well, I don't think that that's me at all. And you might find out that that is you, or you might find out, yeah, you're right, that's not you. But let's start the conversation of saying, how can I serve? Don't sit there saying, I don't know what I can do. Say, let me find out what I can do with God's power in me and through me. What gift has God given me? Everybody can't sing and play instruments like these talented people that we have up here each week. But everybody can do something. And unfortunately, a lot of times we get caught up with the things that happen up here. And we think, well, that's the only really valuable way to serve. But absolutely not. I hate to to beat a dead horse, but the signs and people who put stuff on the internet and people who stand there and they make coffee and they greet and they work with kids. If all of that stuff doesn't happen, nobody gets to sing. Nobody gets to hear God's word. If we don't do every little part together, the body doesn't work. And so we need to find our gift. He tells us another thing there in Ephesians chapter 4. He basically says, you need to grow up. And so do I. He says, I need to grow up, and you need to grow up. Look at verse 13. He says, until, now bring it back into context. He said, we're, we're given these offices or these roles so that the church will be built up. Until we attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the, statue of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. Now that's a mouthful. But he's saying we need to serve and we need to do ministry to help the body grow until we're all mature like Jesus. Wow, that's big, right? But what does that tell us? What does that tell us? If that's our goal, is there really going to be a time that we get to sit back and quit? Until when? Jesus comes back or we take our last breath. We are called to serve until everybody's like Jesus. And I know me, and I know how far I am from being that way. And so I know we all are in that boat at different places, and we're on different parts of the ladder, so to speak. We're a little more, a little less like Jesus. But that's why we are all here together. That's why we all have a purpose to build one another up until we get there. So keep taking steps forward. Keep growing up. Paul really steps on our toes next in Romans 12, that passage we read just a minute ago, starting in verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Ouch. Whew. That's like the hydrogen peroxide in the cut when you're a kid, right? You're like, I don't want that. That hurts. Don't just pretend to love others. He says, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. What is he saying? Take delight in serving other people. And saying, look, you go first. You have your needs met. Take delight in that. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Paul is just hammering us. Bam! I mean, just kicking us while we're down. 
But he knows that that's what it takes to become fulfilled. Is to say, it's not about me. Stop pretending that you love other people. You know, a lot of people, like we talked about last week, a lot of people feel compassion, but not everybody does what? Acts of compassion. And Jesus set the example. He felt it, and then he did it. Make sure that we don't pretend to love other people. If we say we love other people, let's love them in words and in deeds. And let's make sure that we honor them above ourselves. We've got to stop making excuses and serve others in love. He says, stop pretending. Let me illustrate it this way for a second. We've probably all been victim in our lives of somebody who claimed to love us but really didn't. I mean, you can go back to first grade on the playground. Or you can maybe go to a really much more serious relationship. Somewhere in between. But it stinks, doesn't it? It absolutely stinks. Let's keep it as simple as we can. Let's think about in first grade on the playground. And you're out there and this person who you thought was your friend leaves you to go play with everybody else. And then they all make fun of you and then your friend turns and points at you and laughs too. It's kicking the gut, right? But what we need to understand is we need to, if we say we love people, we've got to show it. Y'all remember the movie The Princess Bride? Should have gotten an Oscar, but for some reason it didn't. But early on in the movie, Wesley, who becomes the Dread Pirate Roberts, becomes the main character of the story. He's just the farm boy that works on the farm of Princess Buttercup. And he takes everything, and he's really quiet and shy, and he thinks she's beautiful. And so he loves her, he falls in love with her. But instead of saying, I love you, because it would be out of place, what does he say? As you wish. And she is mean to him, partly because, you know, I I won't go there. I won't go down that route. But anyway, she's mean to him and makes him do all these things. And what does he always say? As you wish, as you wish. No matter how demeaning or how, you know, if she could easily do it, she, he makes, uh, she makes him reach up for a pot that she could easily reach. But what does he say? He takes the pot and he throws it at her head. No, he doesn't do that. He says, as you wish. And then it goes on to tell us, as if we couldn't see it ourselves, that she learned that over time that when he was saying, as you wish, what was he really saying? I love you. And you and I need to have that attitude when we're called to do something that's out of our comfort zone and something that's difficult. Instead of getting mad and getting angry and saying, that's below me, that's too, that's too low for me. Say, as you wish, and serve people in Jesus' name and proclaim that you're loving Jesus and that you're loving people. Because you have a purpose, and that's what Paul tells us next. You have a purpose. And I know I've sort of told you this over and over and over again, but I want this to be very clear. When you hear or read this word, you, Y-O-U, I want you to do something with me, okay? Take that word, wipe it out, and put I. All right, everybody read it with me. One, two, three. I have a purpose. I wanted to spend a second or two just making sure we all realize that it is I that we're talking about. It is me. It is you. All of us have a purpose. This is not a royal we or royal you. This is not just a church as a whole. This is every single one of us has a purpose. Those of us watching online, every single person has a purpose. It's not just for everybody else. If I would, I would make you all stand up so it hits you in the face and doesn't just go over you and hit your neighbor. Because you and I need to hear this. It's for us that we individually have a purpose to serve. It says in verse 16, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every part, or every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. What did it say? When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, okay, we know God is in this scenario, and he can do anything. But let's follow out this reasoning for just a second. Everybody awake? I'm one of those, like, waving things. We should have got one of those for the birthday. I can do it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm going to have to ice up tonight, though, later on. But here's the thing. I forgot what I said. I talked about the, the bendy man. All right? Each part. When each part does its work, that's when the body grows. So could we understand that if you're not doing your part, or I'm not doing my part, that what? The body will not grow. Can we say that? If I'm not doing my part, or you're not doing your part, the body will not. Who or what is the body? We are. Who does the body belong to? Jesus. It's Jesus' body, right? And so if the body of Jesus does not grow, it's ultimately on those of us who may or may not be what? Doing our part. You, I, have a purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose to help the body grow. Uh, Dostoevsky, I can say that perfectly when I'm in my own room in the office going over, but when I stand up in front of y'all, I have a hard time saying Dostoevsky. But he said this, The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. You're off the hook, church. You have got the greatest thing in the world to live for. Jesus died for you and made you a part of his body and gave you a purpose to help the body grow, help more people come to know Jesus. So here's what you and I have to do. Find our gift. Use it. And like I said earlier, we'll help you. We'll do all we can. If you, want to, if you need some help and you're afraid, get a Connect card, write gifts in your name and your phone number and email, put it on in the offering box and we'll get back with you. If you, know, if you want to serve and you haven't been serving, write that on the back of the card and we'll, we'll get with you. But find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. If it doesn't fit, find another area. Just keep trying, but find somewhere you can serve. And write serve on a Connect card if you want to help out or on a Facebook message. But hear me in this. Don't say someone else will do it. Because if you're a part of the body, you have a purpose. And if you don't do your part, the body won't grow like it should. So ask this question instead. If not me, who? If not me, who? All right, I'm almost done. This last thing that he teaches us here in verse 16 again is there are two choices. You can hurt or you can help. And I know we've already made this clear, but I don't want us to miss this point. Verse 16 says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So if you are not helping do your part, then you are hurting the body. You're not just being neutral. It's hurting the body or you're helping the body grow. Everybody hear that? If we are not doing our part, it's just not neutral. Here, let me give you a perfect real-life example of that. I am just turned 45 a little bit ago, and for some of y'all, that's young. For some of y'all, that's ancient, but, you know, we're, we're, we'll get there. 
But I'm telling you, when I hit about 43, stuff just started breaking down. Like my old truck. You know, my hinges and hydraulics don't work too good anymore either. I'm leaking fluid probably. But here's the thing. When you hurt a knee, even when you're young, if you play sports or something and you hurt your knee, what eventually can happen if you don't rehab it in the right way? Is the knee the only thing that stays hurt? No. What can then happen to the other knee? Because you favor that knee. That knee can start hurting. If you hurt this knee and you're starting, if you limp on it, you walk funny, and that's what you do when you get older. You just learn to walk different. You know, let's all be real. If you're not old enough yet to understand that, it's coming. Your knee was hurt, but then all of a sudden you're what? Your hip hurts, you know? And if, you know, if your shoulders hurt, you know, then other things start hurting. You know, your bicep starts hurting because you're favoring it different, or it gets weaker, and then you strain it. If you watch sports much, especially like things like the NFL and college football, if a player is out with a pretty serious injury for two or three weeks, you know what almost happens, it seems like, 90% of the time, about two weeks later after they come back? They tweak something else. Because that injury, even though they've sort of healed from that, they favored that part of their body, and so everything else is not caught up. Everything else is not as strong as it should be. And so something else gets hurt a little bit later. Do you understand what I'm saying by this? It's not simply neutral to not do your part. It's hurting the body if you are a part of the body and you're not helping. You're not either helping or you're hurting. So you're hurting the body of Christ or you're helping it grow. Are you fulfilling the purpose that God built you for? You might remember the story of Gideon. I'm going to tell you a real brief version. Go back and look at it yourself if you want to hear all the fine details. But Gideon was this guy who was a farmer, and the land was under siege, and he was hiding one day in a wine press in this enclosed area. He was threshing his grain. He was not what I would call the bravest guy. He wasn't even going to thresh his grain, afraid it would get taken or stolen if he was out in the open air and out in public. And so he's in this hiding place threshing his grain, and this angel appears to him and says, Oh, mighty warrior! <laughs> not really. But he says, oh, mighty warrior. And he basically tells him, you're going to be God's man to lead and get Israel set free. And he first shows up and there's 30,000 soldiers. And he's like, okay, I don't really feel like a mighty warrior. But hey, I got a squad with me. We're going to roll in deep. We're going to crack some heads. Okay, this is good. And God's like, hold hold up, hold up. I'm going to cut your numbers down a little bit. And he cuts them down. And he's like, okay, okay, this is doable. I can do this. He called me mighty warrior. I'm good. I'm tough. I've been working out. And so he's like, I can handle this. I got my boys behind me. We're going to take charge. And he says, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. You started with 30,000, and now you're going to have 300. You know, he says he cuts his army down to next to nothing. And then the beauty of it and the way that God works is he says, I just need you to be there and stand there. And I need you to shout and look funny. <laughs> you know, I need you to look pretty. And he says... And he makes this thing happen. They have these torches hidden and all this sort of stuff. And the enemy attacks itself and they don't have to do anything. And so my point is this, is that if you want to be a part of what God is doing, you don't have to be necessarily ultra prepared. You just got to be willing to stand there and be pretty. You got to be willing to stand there and say, God, use me. It may not be in the way. And he'll call. That's the, the beauty of God. You don't see yourself as a mighty warrior, but he views you as a mighty warrior because you're willing to be used in his hand. You're willing to be used in his hand. And so let's be like Gideon. Even though we may not be what we thought we would, God will do more than we could ever imagine. 
So he'll produce results if they, that won't even make sense, but they'll change eternity when you serve and you're willing. If you want to be built different, church, we've got to serve. We've got to serve people in Jesus' name. If we all work together, this church, the Lord's church all over the world, will be a church that truly keeps moving until the neighborhood knows Jesus. And that's our goal here at Movement Church, is to keep telling people and moving closer to God until everybody knows Jesus. That's our goal. That's our purpose. And so we want everyone all in for everyone to know Jesus. I don't know about y'all. But I've been a part of churches that were just staying open. But one of the things I've learned and grown and one of the things I've learned and grown in is this. I've realized that Jesus didn't go to the cross for us to just keep the doors open. Jesus went to the cross for the gates of hell to be destroyed and the gates of the city of heaven to be open for anybody that wants to come in to come in. And you and I have the precious privilege of not having having to, but getting to serve people so that they can see Jesus through us and in us. But the body won't grow until every part does its work. So let's stand up. Let's be who God has called us to be. And let's show up and let God use us. Let's stand, let's sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.